last week, we saw our brother David hiding in the cave of Adullam. He was there because trouble in his life had called him to run for his life. He had enemies on the left of him and enemies on the right of him. And it seemed like all was lost. He was running because Saul, the fallen king of Israel, is trying to kill him. David is having a pivotal moment in his life. When his family heard about his situation, they came down to see about him. And we said on last week that everybody needs somebody to come see about them when life has mistreated them. See, according to the text, they were 400 other men going through exactly what David was going through. And the Bible says that all those who were discontent distressed and in debt, they came down to the cave of Adullam to be with David. God led them there and David was strengthened by adding these men to his life. We learned on last week that pivotal moments are stress-filled encounters. Pivotal moments are filled with spaces of sadness and loneliness. Pivotal moments are structured to make you choose which direction you should turn in. Pivotal moments are those times in life when a change is coming that will alter your direction and destiny for the future. David in today's story is in a pivotal moment and God is going to use him for his honor and his glory. What a mighty God we serve. Beloved, this story today shows us how God can work for you in the pivotal moments in life. And the child of God need only to wait on him and trust the process even in the pain. So today, let's look at David's place of intercession and learn how important it is to understand the pivotal moments in life. In verse 3, we see David's place of intercession. The text says that then David went from there, Adullam, to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time 
that David was in the stronghold. Beloved, when we come here, we find that after all the people had came down to David, that the cave of Adullam, it got too little. And so David had to relocate because the ministry had grown immensely. David needed a new location, a place for those who had come to follow him. The text says that David came up with a plan and he left Adullam and came to Mizpah of Moab. This is significant because Adullam was the place that God met him and brought him some community. Adullam was a place of solitude, but it was also a place that had grown too small for him. This new place called Mizpah of Moab, it's important because Mizpah literally means watchtower. It was apparently the fortified city and the residence at the time for the king of Moab. Now David didn't know it, but Mizpah would become a place where David could rest from his enemies. It became a place of intercession. It became a place where he could trust safely that those who were now under his covering could live without fear. So he went and interceded with the king of Moab. Our beloved, this was another pivotal moment. See, in a personal audience with the king of Moab, David requested that his father and his mother be granted sanctuary in Moab until David learned what God would do for him. Can I say it again? This is important to pay attention to in this text because the king of Moab is the ruler of Mizpah. He is not a Hebrew. He is a Gentile. And he's not in the graces of King Saul. He is, however, a picture of one who is ready and willing to help those who are seeking asylum from the enemies of their souls. Did you catch it? The king of Moab granted David's request, and perhaps he did so because he was honoring the ancient practice of providing sanctuary for adversaries of enemies. You see, the king of Moab is a picture of one who takes in those who are distressed. He takes in those who are in debt and he takes in those who are discontented with their current affairs in life. 
The king of Moab is a picture of one who is open to intercession and who listens to the cry of cave dwellers. Oh my. Secondly, we see here, there's another historical note that needs to be addressed. Being a Moabite, David had an inside track to speak with the king. You see, his great-grandmother, Ruth, was a Moabitess. She was a Gentile. She was in the family line of David as a Gentile and could possibly be related to the king. And that's why David uses the language he does in his appeal. Can my father and mother, who have Moabite blood, who are the grandchildren of my great-grandmother, can they dwell with you in Mizpah until I know what the Lord will do for me? <laughs> Good God Almighty. David now understands that God is at work in his life in spite of the difficulty he's had to go through. And here we understand that David has made a shift in his theology. He says, until I will know what the Lord will do for me. In other words, God was calling him from a place of isolation to the place of the strong tower. And now David was positioning himself to hear from the Lord on what he should do next. Our beloved, can I tell you this was another pivotal moment. You say, how so, Pastor? David was no longer afraid. David was no longer lonely. David was no longer in doubt about what God could do. David was in a different mindset now. And now he's expecting God to do something great for him. And we can learn from this text that when God takes you from the place of isolation, he always does it through the encouragement of others. We can learn from this text that God is the one who brings people into your life, into your adulam, to encourage you. We can learn from this text that when God is ready to encourage your heart, he will move you from the place of isolation to the place of the strong tower. Can I get an amen right through that? We can learn from this text that when God connects you intimately with others, he does so that you may feel fortified. It's in this pivotal moment that God will be your strong tower. Yes, I believe that's right. The Bible says in verse four, so he brought them his mother and father, 
before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Beloved, when I see this verse here, I get encouraged. I get encouraged because David's parents dwelt in the strong tower, but David and his men stayed in the stronghold the whole time he was in Mizpah. You see, in the strong tower, the parents were under the protection of the king. But in the stronghold, David was on the front line for the king. In the strong tower, they were ministered to by the king's covering. But in the stronghold, David was a minister of the king, protecting the country. You see, they were in two different places in two different functions. David is serving the king of Moab and being served by the king of Moab. Here it is. We too ought to take our cues from this text. While the king of the strong tower serves us, we ought to serve him from the stronghold. (laughs) And the stronghold is the place of security. The stronghold is the place of safety. The stronghold is the place of attack. The stronghold is the place of assurance. The stronghold is the place of awareness. The stronghold is the place of intercession where you are laboring and listening to the king. It's the place of reward for the believer. Can I say it this way? Because David handled the pivotal moment correctly. Those who were with him and those he were responsible for, they benefited from his covering as their captain. Today, we've looked at the place of intercession. Let's look now at the place of importance. The Bible says in verse number five, now the prophet Gad, he said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, but depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Beloved, when we come here to this final verse, we get to see a shift in the position of our brother David. He has found a place of refuge and a place of safety, Moab. Yet 
God disrupts his position to send him into the forest, a place of importance, to prepare him for the rest of his journey. This is what I call another pivotal moment. You see, the text suggests that Moab of Mizpah was only there for a season. It was a short moment of intercession, a short moment of introspection, and a short moment of isolation in Moab. Moab was not David's final destination. God had more for him to do. Can I get a witness right there? The first thing we see is that when God got ready to move him, he sent him a preacher. His name was Gad, the prophet. And Gad was one who was also discontented. He was also in debt and in distress. He too had been sent by God to go and join himself to David in the cave of Adullam. The preacher was a prophet. And when the time was right, the Lord sent Gad a word to give to David. One of the scholars in my library said this, Wilson, the comment by Gad in verse 5 suggests that David and his men resided in a Moabite fortress. However, the stay was only temporary because the prophet admonished David to depart from Judah. The scholar suggested that the reasons for the departure was that the Torah prohibited the establishment of friendly treaties with Moabites. Oh, yes, it did. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, the Hebrews could not dwell together or enter into relationships with the Gentiles. And so the man Gad, as a true prophet of the Lord, had a duty to help others understand and heed to the law of God, the Torah. Now, if David established a treaty with the king of Moab, he would violate the Torah and bring judgment on himself and all who were with him. And because David wanted the blessing of the Lord, he obeyed the prophet and he went into the land of Judah. He, his parents, and all of his new followers. Can I turn the light on? Secondly, I believe God was doing something new in David's heart. I believe, beloved, 
that God was preparing him for warfare. See, he had been encouraged, refreshed, renewed, restored, and now it was time to engage with what God was calling him to do. And the forest location would have provided excellent protection against a large, uh, organized force that Saul might be bringing against him. David did three things in leaving the stronghold. Number one, he displayed his trust in the word because the Torah told him what to do. Number two, he displayed his trust in the provision of the Lord because Yahweh would now become his stronghold and not a fortress made by man. Number three, David was walking by faith and not by sight. And David's ministry kept him on the move. And God kept revealing himself to David. He was used by God working in the pivotal moments now. And he's used to God working in the pivotal moments in his life. And God knew just how to encourage his heart. So you see, beloved, God used people sent by him when David was in isolation to encourage his heart. God used his divine appointments to encourage him when he was in the strong tower. And David used or rather trusted safely in the word of God to obey God in every area of his life. I believe that's good. I need to say that again. David does three things in this lesson as he heads out for Mizpah. Number one, he recognized that God used people to send to him in his place of isolation to encourage his heart. Number two, he recognizes that God used divine appointments to encourage him in the strong tower. And number three, he recognized that he could trust safely in the word of God and that he could obey God and trust it in every area of his life. Even though it meant going out into the forest, he could trust in his God to provide for him in spite of it all. Can I get a witness right through there? Well, I got to leave you now, beloved. But somebody here today, God is trying to test you so he can bless you. I said, somebody here today, God is bringing you out of a place of isolation into the place of the strong tower. Somebody here today, God has the next assignment for you. You've been strengthened in the pivotal moments and now it's time Time for what, Pastor? Time to get back in the forest so he can use you for his honor and his glory. It's time. 
I believe that this is where David was. And after God blessed him in Adullam and then opened the door for him in Mizpah, he heard the call of God to go to Judah. Here it is. He trusted the word of the Lord and believed in the one who was more than strong enough. Jesus had the same testimony, beloved. It was tough for the master to go through the wilderness and be tempted by Satan. But God, yeah, he sent angels to strengthen him. It was good to do ministry for three years with the disciples as they operated under the strong tower of the Lord. And ministry in Northern Palestine was done from the stronghold of God. And when the time came, the time to go to Calvary to finish the work the Lord had called him to. Jesus was ready and he was eager to obey the word of the Lord. Can I tell a story? Because of obedience, he willingly went to the cross. Because of obedience, he died in our place for our sins. Because of obedience, he was placed in a borrowed tomb. Because of obedience, he was raised back to life by the Father. And I found a hymn this morning for the pivotal moments of life. It's been sang by generations of Christians for over 2,000 years. The song says, when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. No shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. 
trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we'll sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says he will do, where he sins we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey.